Have you been enjoying the adventures of our characters in Rumble Squad and Serviceable Plots? Or getting into the nitty-gritty rules for 5th edition? Support us on Patreon. By contributing as little as $1 a month, you'll get to hear exclusive content and updates before anyone else. Our higher-level patrons get access to DMs notes, outtakes from our episodes, and even a chance to add an item or NPC to a D&D Raw episode. Yes, you can hear our silly, out-of-character shenanigans, and even cause some of your own by influencing the story. Our producer-tier patrons listen to our audio before anyone else to give feedback and shape the final episode. We want to give a special thanks to our producer-tier patron, Matt Fry, for serving as a producer on this episode. We also want to thank our adventure-tier and above patrons for their support this month. So thank you, Feral Joe, Grimfuse, and a Linux fan. To join this list of outstanding people, go to patreon.com slash dndraw. By joining our patrons, you enable us to dedicate more time to creating episodes. And if you're not able to support D&D Raw on Patreon, we would love it if you leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you. Hey everyone, before we begin, I have a couple of quick announcements. First, during this episode, Jane, who plays Nyssa, will be leaving Rumble Squad in this story arc of the campaign. She will be appearing in her own solo adventure before returning as a member of Serviceable Plots. Second, we want to focus on our creator corner, where today we're highlighting the Top of the Round podcast. We connected with Nikki, who plays the Drow Elf Rogue, Talus, on Twitter, whose positive tweets always provide encouragement. They have released over 20 episodes of their D&D 5e actual play podcast, so you can jump in now to catch up on the story set in the world of Ishnar. You can find out more at totrpodcast.com and follow them on Twitter at TOTRCast. If you want to support them, make sure to leave them a review. And now, enjoy their promo where you can learn a bit about their characters. Hi there, I'm Kenan and I'm the DM for Top of the Round. We are a homebrew, character-driven, actual play podcast fueled by the power of D&D 5e. What happens when a naive druid, an orphaned monk, and a mysterious drought elf are roped into becoming a mailman for a goddess? Join Talus. As you know, my bosses aren't the most merciful people. Chaz. Hey, do you guys know where I could find a map of everywhere? Nseku. We might as well try. It's the worst thing that could happen is we could die. Find us wherever you listen to a podcast. Episodes drop every Monday. Hope to see you soon. Next week will be Serviceable Plots, Episode 23. Join us now for Rumble Squad, Episode 22. Mine looks especially tasty. With me today are the following players. I am Chris, and I will be playing Orc Fireforge, the Hill Dwarf Forge Cleric. Hi, I'm Jane, and I will be playing Nissa Turin, the Gnome Arcane Trickster Rogue. I'm Nick, and I will be playing Leuven Cromdell, the Half-Elf Alchemist Artificer. Hey, I'm Rachel, and I'm playing Elaine Fox, the Human Barbarian Druid. Last time, the party encountered a triceratops that was running from a group of orc hunters. The party allowed the dino to escape, and successfully hid from the hunting party before continuing their journey to Neverhelm. They met up with the Shadar Kai woman, and were granted permission to re-enter the lands of the Lady of Spirits. While Leuven, Oric, and Nyssa spoke with the Shadar Kai woman, 
Elaine focused on trying to converse with the Lady of Spirits. The party learned that the Shurakai woman was named Talori, and was here not only to see a death, but hoped to find an old friend named Akiva. Meanwhile, Elaine learned that the Lady of Spirits would not help the party particularly, but she would allow them to stay on her lands. She also learned that the Lady had no love for Bai, and did not fear the old Fae. The party then regrouped to discuss what they had learned. Throughout this time, I've just had this healing draught in hand in case it's needed. <laughs> in case they suddenly, like, collapse to the ground. Yeah. So I had a pleasant conversation with the Lady of Spirits, and we're free to use wood and resources we need. Obviously, we shouldn't harm the animals. Yeah, she is not a friend of uh, the Old Fae. Well, that's good to know. I almost got the impression also that the Old Fae might step lightly around her, if that gives you an indication of her powers. Did she say anything about what might be allowing the Old Fae to continue working in Ascentheus? She doesn't know, but she's not opposed to us continuing on this mission, as well as, you know, focusing on trying to stop the portals if we so choose. But from what I understand is, once we enter the unnatural city, she doesn't care what we do in there. She does not like it, and anything that's in there, it's in her domain, but it's not in her domain, if that makes sense. As far as the champion, he appeared right around the same time the gods seemed to disappear or begin to wane. She's also not a huge fan of him, but he does not seem to be as much of a threat yet. That can't possibly be a coincidence. Probably not. Also, what do you guys know about Archon? I think I did a check on this back last time we were in Neverhelm. You did a very general check, so let's go for a specific religion check. 19. 9. 23. Archon, you know, is a chaotic evil deity. His home plane is the Abyss, and the lore goes that the Abyss itself actually formed simply from him being there, being chained there. He is a imprisoned god imprisoned there through a combined might of all of the other gods for the most part certain evil gods kind of side with him but also he is such a chaotic entity that just destroys whatever he can come across and the fact that it took a lot of the other gods to keep him in check just shows kind of the extent of his power but archon is very essence creates demons so i assume you guys share that information yep yes I look like my head might be about to explode. I guess, what is our plan once we get into the unnatural city? What are we looking for? Well, we probably need to see if there's a way to recharge the scrying stone. I believe that is what we were trying to do. The mean kind of jumps in. Find the place where it originally goes, see if it has additional properties there. Use it. Shouldn't be too hard. We saw where it was stowed, and we were very careful in removing it. So, if we can get back there, I assume then we'll figure out where to go from there. Is there anything else we're looking for in the ruins, though? Or that we think we might be able to find? Weren't there in a couple areas we didn't really explore? There was really one area you didn't explore thoroughly, but that's over near the vault. Because everything else was kind of like crumpled housing. I do mention that path as a reminder. All right. Well, I suppose since we are allowed to sleep, we probably should. I don't believe we'll need to have a, a heavy guard for the evening either. She made it very clear that those who are on her land have been allowed. Plus, an alarm spell would have some (laughs) false alarms, probably. Before I go to bed, I would definitely kind of sit and meditate just for a little bit to, like, calm, reach out, trying to get in the habit of, like, you know, communing with the spirity peoples, just to start getting into that habit. 
Okay. Then Orc would probably pray as well for Yadami to give him strength as he goes into this unholy place. Both feel a warmth in your own separate ways before you go and retire for the evening. I would spend a little time just reading one of the letters I've been hoarding. I've been kind of rationing the letters that I picked up back in Amankar. Just several responses at once, and just reading one every day or two, trying to mix it up on from whom I'm reading. You take some time and just read through some of the letters that you have from your various correspondents. You get to enjoy them for a bit. Figure out what's going on in the lives of your various friends out there. <laughs> Hoping one day to meet them. So... You retire for the evening. Some of you get good night's sleep. Nissa, yeah. as dreams begin to take you, you find yourself on the cobblestone streets of Orenthal in the low hills. The sounds of people moving about and talking off in the distance, but creepily empty in the area immediately surrounding you. And after a brief moment of remembering that a familiar sensation like this of only a couple of days before... You begin to turn and find in this center of the street, this crossroad there, a wooden table with two chairs and two cups of what seemed to be tea, and an old woman seated in one of those chairs, just sipping. We meet again in my dreams, I see. Hello, dear. Please, sit. I believe we should discuss a few things. Yes, I can't possibly imagine what we need to discuss, but sure. It's been a few days. It's just... Wanted to see how you were getting along. Fine, yeah, it's all good here. Mm-hmm. Excellent. I assume by this point you've already had a chance to get close to the outcast. You probably know this already, seeing as I believe you're watching. But um, yeah, we we came close to Vashti. Dear, you know I can't see very well. Mm-hmm. Sure. Dear. When I tend to make deals and set plans in motion, I don't tend to leave a lot to chance if I can help it. I figured as much. So, you did not place it on her person, however. That wasn't what I asked of you, but that would have been a bonus. Many apologies for not taking the opportunity to do as you had asked. Well, you were surrounded by friends and loved ones. I assume you did not want to draw too much unwanted attention to yourself. Not really. Not really my style. Well, I suppose then our agreement, our deal, is complete. You are free with your friends. I assume you are enjoying said freedom. Enjoying might be a little much, but, um... Sure. Are there going to be any catches to this, you know... We're done with this deal thing. None whatsoever, dear. All I ask is, when you awaken the next morning, before you go off about your business, leave the ring where you are. That's all. Okay, sure. I have no intention of getting on the bad side of the Lady of Spirits, if that is your concern. I mean, as powerful as you are, I would not wish to mess with the Lady of Spirits. She frightens me more than you do. Oh, I don't intend to frighten you, dear. We both have a similar viewpoint towards the gods, and it's so rare nowadays that I find one with such a similar point of view. True, you were a refreshing kindred spirit in that aspect. I have been rather tired of hearing a lot about the gods lately. Well, I'm assuming by the company that you keep, that's not going to change anytime soon. That dwarf is rather blunt with his beliefs. Yeah. 
So, returning to that forgotten city then? And yet you claim your eyesight is no good. Distance, direction, and usually very careful consideration over the specifics of where people are tend to reveal a lot. Interesting. And yes, we are returning there. Further investigation, it seems, is required. Indeed. Well, you never know when plans might change. And she has a creepy little knowing smile. Anyways, I simply wanted to make sure that you were fully aware, dear, that our business is concluded. You have been given your freedom with all of your friends, allies, and critters allowed to go. All of your possessions as well. And you were able to get close to the outcasts. Our business is concluded. I simply wished for you to have such peace of mind. With you around, I'm not quite sure that's entirely possible. But uh, I appreciate your assistance. Of course. And who knows? Perhaps I would want to just chat again and see the viewpoints of someone who has such an uncommon viewpoint on the gods. A refresher considering the world that we live in. Indeed. Well, dear, if there is nothing else, I'll leave you to the remainder of your rest. Thank you again. In case there is a next time. And she just, like, lifts her teacup slightly and then puts it to her lips and drinks, and everything seems to turn to mist and fade. You get your long rests. When you awaken the next morning, you see Aaron and Damien are already awake, and they're kind of conversing rapidly and quietly. As you all kind of get up and start to get ready... Aaron looks a little stressed, nervous, but they both come forward and Aaron goes, Nissa, do you have a minute? Yeah, of course. And she kind of looks at the rest of these, like, kind of sending early in the morning from the Staff Federation. She looks at Demean and he just nods. They're requesting Aaron's presence. They need her help due to a former friend of hers. Aaron is requesting the aid of you, Nissa, as apparently has something to do with Lyle. Lyle? I- is he okay? Supposedly he's fine, but apparently he went to the Staff Federation with something. And as, well, mutual friends, it might require some more dexterous hands than I have. Yeah, yours are a little clumsy. I can cast the spells well, but I'm not good with the... And she imitates, like, fiddling with a lock. I mean, I know we're in the middle of this and we have all this going on, but they requested my aid immediately. And I can't take the mean because he's here to oversee all of this, and I'm just his pupil, but I could probably use the help. And Nissa, this this is Lyle. Yeah. It must have been big for Lyle to go to the Staff Federation, too. So, yeah. Okay. Kind of look up at Eren, and look across at the party, then look up at Eren. Okay. And look back across at Elaine, Oric, and Leuven. I'm sorry, guys. Eren really needs my help. And a friend of mine in Arunthal really needs me. Well, I understand. You've told me about Lyle, so... Hopefully it's nothing serious. I hope not. I will miss you. Will we see you again? I hope so. Elaine, you know the kind of places I hang out in Orenthal, so if you find yourselves there, if you need me, you know where I'll be. The shadier the better. You know it. Aaron actually chuckles at that. Oh, yeah. And I rustle in my pack and then pull out the wall. So you see Nissa pull out a bag. Hold it out across to Elaine. You might get some fun out of this. Here, this is for you. I would take it with, like... Two fingers carefully pick it up because I know you. Should I do this in a confined space, an open space? Are there instructions? A magical word? 
divine would be interesting, but uh, you do it wherever you feel best. I don't trust you right now. (laughs) (laughs) And for good reason. Elaine, you have this bag. Do you look inside? I'm going to squish the bag first, like just carefully feel it from the outside without looking at it first. I mean, whatever's inside must be pretty soft. Like you're kind of squishing it a little bit. So there's something in it. It's kind of like packed in, but it's soft. Okay. And then I'll carefully like open it and just kind of peek inside for like, you know, just maybe poke one finger in and like feel around. (laughs) Okay. So you open it up. You see this like tuft of wool. It looks actually really soft. So you go and kind of like touch it and right next to you, Elaine. (laughs) (laughs) Immediately draw the strings again. (laughs) Close it. As you touch it and start to close it, you must have brushed it again because next to that, she... (laughs) I just look at her and shake my head and I'm like, why? Where? How? Fascinating. Nissa, you would be so proud of Aaron right now, who you can kind of feel next to you is like shaking slightly, trying to hold in her laughter, but like... "Mm." (laughs) I'm slightly amused, but also confused. Like... Why? I'm just gonna, like, hold my hands up, like, why not? Elaine, at one point, like, you feel kind of a a snout brushing against your side and kind of, like, around your pockets. (laughs) I'll pop one in each sheep's mouth, like, quiet. (laughs) 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 Alright, I don't, I, I got nothing. Okay. Nissa, why? Just thank you, I think. You're welcome. Have fun with that. And I'm going to just questioningly stuff it in a pocket. (laughs) (laughs) I do have one request from you as you're going to a main city. Mm -hmm. I'm going to pull out 10 of my 15 gold and hand it to Nyssa. Can you make sure this gets to my brother? Of course I can. No problem. You'll have better ability of sending something through the mail than I would being here. No problem. Oh, speaking of mail, Leuven, you want me to take any of yours while I'm going? Well... As a member of the Nebersol Network, I do get free postage at select locations. Are you a member? I don't believe I ever heard you mention you were. No. I wouldn't want to impose upon you a financial burden of mailing all these letters that I've been trying to mail. How many are you mailing, Luvin? Oh, uh, 32. How much would that cost? From the Nebersol Network, nothing. For him. (laughs) 32 letters, but several of them are to some of the same people. So it'd be a bit cheaper. And there might be ways you could get around that, Nissa. Exactly. Don't forget, Leuven, I have my ways, and I I know people in Norenthal, so don't worry about it. Ah, okay. It's a little mysterious, but here you go. Auric, you in particular noticed this, but while Elaine was messing with the bag, Domin is rubbing his eyes, and you get the impression he recognized ahead of time what Nissa had given Elaine. Uh (laughs) Ah. I hand you the letters, and I'm like... If we ever wanted to write to you, would there be a way? Yeah, I'd like that. Here, and I grow my pack and I'll hand Lou a piece of paper with an address of an inn in Orenthal. I study it, try to commit it to memory in case something happens to this paper. Which inn is it? The Drunken Duck. Would I know the level of shadiness? It is moderately shady. Okay. Checks out. Mm-hmm. Checks out. I was gonna say, I spent some time in Orenthal, also. <laughs> in terms of how far shady places go, it's fairly reputable. Okay. You know there's like back alley dealings, but it's not like <laughs> but you're not someone get might stab you before you leave. No, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. There's the occasional, you know, drunken brawl and all that, but Ooh, sounds like my kind of place then. 
So it is the Drunken Duck, Low Hills, Orenthal. Okay. And one last thing, I go in my pack again and pull out two small gold bracelets I have, two shinies. I hold them in Auric's direction and say, Auric, would you like to take these for forging or for these elves? Hi. I'm going to miss your ability to find materials. I still don't know how you do it, but you always seem to find what I need for whatever project I'm on. I'll put like a, a hand on her shoulder. You still remember the technique I taught you for how to clean your armor I made, right? It's very important to keep it in pristine condition. I can't promise I'm going to keep it as clean as you would like me to, but I promise to try my best. Aye, that's all I ask. And thank you. Aaron will go up and is like, alright, this will take us back. It'll be quick, but... And she looks at the rest of you. I can also cast sending now, so if you need anything, I can always send every few days, and maybe we could meet up again at some point and figure stuff out. I, I've learned how to cast sending as well. Perfect. So we could keep in contact. That should work. She just nods. Alright. She holds a hand out to you, Nissa. Take it. She reaches into a pocket, and she holds this little small orb. She looks at Denise and is like, I'll report when I'm done. See where you are so we can try and meet up again. She looks at the rest of you. It was really nice meeting all of you. Sorry under such bad circumstances. Good luck, Rumble Squad. Looks over at you, Elaine. I hope you like the present. And she breaks the orb. <laughs> In a small flash of light, Nissa and Aaron disappear. Ah, but yada means beard. What was that? <laughs> <laughs> she had that the whole time? Throughout the morning, you guys have been getting ready. You said your goodbyes to Nyssa and Aaron as they banffed away. Leuven, I know the night before you'd been tinkering with a few things, but you had given pause due to recent events. However, you are inspiration kind of comes to you as you were seeing some of this magic and recalled how like Nyssa would banff and turn invisible. And you guys all see Leuven kind of fiddling with this particular lantern. And as you kind of get this inspiration and focus and fiddle and a light comes on it. Aha! Alright. This should help us if we run into Rhydot again. It's good, within a certain range, to show invisible creatures. How do you know it's working? Huh. <laughs> I read about it once, and followed the instructions very carefully. So, pretty sure it'll work. If you say so. I mean, there's only one way to really test it. Do you have invisibility? No, no, that's not one of my specialties. But I suppose if we come across, and he looks around... Any of the invisible creatures, that's one way to do it. I just don't think revealing any other ones, you know, right here is a very good idea. Uh, yeah, I guess not. Or having a fire on any more than necessary. And I put out the lantern. Does it only reveal invisible, or does it do any other properties that would be revealed to us? While lit, this hooded lantern burns for six hours on one pint of oil, shedding bright light in a 30-foot radius and dim light for an additional 30 feet. Invisible creatures and objects are visible as long as they are in the lantern's bright light. You can use an action to lower the hood, reducing the light to dim light in a five-foot radius. You guys also have next to you... Ah. Oh, I would have sent them off, like, shush them into the woods, like, go... Go, ah, ah, ah. go live your life. Go yeah, go free. live your life, because I don't know where you came from or how to return you, so... Elaine, kind of like in the back of your head, you just, like, hear this little melodic chuckle. Actually, I would be able to understand what they're saying, would I not? It's like, we're full now. What are we doing here? Hello, here tall. Things, hello. I'm able to understand them as my druid shepherd. 
yeah, basically before that, they were saying, hello, we're here. Food? Do you have food? I smell food. <laughs> nuzzle, nuzzle, nuzzle. And then you gave them the good berries and they were like, oh, that was good. I'm full. Such little food, but full. And then sent them on their way. Yep. So they are scurrying off. So what are you guys up to? Anything else for this morning? Or are you guys proceeding down? I think so. Yeah, I think so. Okay. You proceed to the hidden tunnel that Elaine had found almost like 12, 13 days ago. You recall where it is and push it aside and begin the tight squeeze down the tunnel. And I remember that we have to march one by one. So do you guys want me to go first again? I think it would be best if you go first. Okay. I go first. I'll file in second. I guess I'll take up the rear. Demean will be between you and Leuven. You guys proceed. Demean is a bit uncomfortable going down. He's about similar in build to you, Elaine. So it's a little bit of a tight squeeze. But you continue down and proceed for the next, you know, 45 minutes to an hour going down this tunnel. Spiraling, spiraling, until eventually you do arrive at more carved stone. And you find the steps that continue to proceed down. You see the various collapsed passageways that kind of go off to the side till you arrive at the entranceway that you recall to the massive stone door ahead of you. The vaulted ceiling still partially collapsed over on one side, but you are at the main door. Orc, you have the item? Yes. Didn't we do some sort of teleporty thing before? He was able to teleport us to the exit before. I don't know if it can do the reverse. Won't know if you don't try. We'll take out the orb and see if it is behaving any differently now that we are within Neverhelm. Okay, you take out the orb and pull the crystal and you don't sense anything different. Did Nissa leave the hat? No. Okay. Does anyone remember how she got it to teleport us? Nope. She heard a voice ask where, but it wasn't when she was touching the crystal, it was when she was on the platform in the vault. Well, it looks like we might be hoofing it. We know our way. This will be easier than last time. Yeah, we should still be cautious enough, though. Demean has unslung his bow already and just have an arrow knocked but not drawn. And just, all right, you know this layout well a lot better than I do, so. Yup. If you have a question or you need us to stop, you can look at something. Speak up. I will. Don't touch any of the statues. They were a bit problematic last time. Constructs in disguise? Aye, you got it. Those have always been problematic. All right. Well, I suggest then we press on. I don't like the feel of this place. And kind of as you guys are here, that familiar sensation of, for you, Auric, the disconnect, and for you, Elaine, as well, but uh, Yadamine versus nature independently. Leuven, just an odd, quiet sensation. All right. I guess we'll move ahead. So you continue on. The door is actually moderately pushed open. You remember you had enough that you could slip through before, but it seems like it was originally pushed even farther open. You could assume that was from your very large friend that had come back this way before. So you see ahead of you the city street that's lombed and crumpled away, cracked, making the entire pretty difficult to walk across. The remains of buildings on either side of you, homes or shops that have just partially crumbled. Some you know, that are still a little holding up where you could tuck in if you needed to, but there are the two pedestals ahead, each with writing, and two remains of the bronze golems across the landscape in front of you. 
and the single dirt road that leads away with one path that seems to stretch off into the left and one that seems to head straight ahead. So the bronze golem, are there any like easily removable plates? Because now that I have the bag of holding, I can scoop some of it up. You go and you grab one and when you go to pull it, it just crumples into rust and falls away. It seems like it's just deteriorating rapidly. Nah, I won't bother. One thing that's very different from this time, not just the two golems that are smashed across, but you don't hear the sound of hammering at all. How's the brightness level again? Unless you guys have a light, it is dark. Oh, so I'm actually blind. You can't really see right now. There was a little bit of light before, like in around that corner that stretched out, but it's not there anymore. Demino Kaipo, I have torches if need be. Maybe we should use torches for now. All right, we can conserve oil for now if you don't think the odds of mysterious invisible ambushes are too high. I'll stow the lantern. You'll see Damien kind of slings his bow and then lights a torch and draws a short sword. I can carry the torch if you'd like, if you prefer to use your bow. If you wish, and he hands the torch over to you. So I have my shield on, I would have it in the hand with my shield. So I still have one hand free. So you proceed down. Are you veering off towards the smithy or heading straight to the throne room? Do we have any need to go to the smithy? You know, I'm kind of curious about why the hammering stopped. I don't hear it either, so it must have stopped. Because I know you lot had trouble hearing it before. We can check. Hey, maybe we missed something the first time around. Because there was some enchantments in there. Alright, to the smithy. Thankfully, due to a combination of Elaine's passive perception and Leuven's passive investigation, you recall that there were some discoloration in the stone ahead of you on the floor that you can avoid because you're not sure, but those definitely seem like traps. Yep, point them out. And since Elaine has a light source, you can clearly see them as you are coming up. So you continue on, begin to make your way ahead. Elaine, as you are getting closer, the door to the smithy, you notice the large metal door that's there is still open from when you last left. It seems like it didn't close. And you hear like slight scuffling and moving sounds up ahead. Pull the hand like stop and then kind of like motion like that I hear something. I'm not saying anything, but I'm just like pointing ahead and you know that like I hear something moving. I would like to try and hear it as well with my superior dwarven hearing. Auric, as you're kind of listening in, you hear what sounds like something's moving. And occasionally you hear like a crunch. Does the crunching sound like it could be bones? It doesn't sound like bone. No. You know, actually, you're a smith. I am. That is an accurate statement. You just heard this sound, too. It sounds like rusted metal breaking apart. So it sounds like it could be someone breaking down stuff or stuff being broken down. So I'll whisper that to the party to let them know that we may wish to approach stealthfully. If you want, I can take the lead. Yeah, this is definitely your area. Go for it, boss. I will try and, I guess, stealth up towards the door to try and look through. Are you heading by yourself? I am. I would stay back because I have the torch, so I don't want to draw attention with the light. If you recall, the entranceway goes in and then curves. So you can look inside and you see the pat like the hall curves. So you'd have to go past that curve in order to look into the room, just so you're aware. I will roll my stealth roll at disadvantage. That's why I'm staying back. It was a six. So, Auric, you come around the corner and you're being careful, trying to slip in. Your armor kind of scrapes a little bit on the walls, but you're still focused. You've got this. As you round the corner, 
you see in front of you two creatures, fairly large overall, both insectoid in nature with these large antennae towards the front, a long kind of tail, and these very spindly like legs with this almost hardened carapace and several rows of small teeth and mandibles. And these two orangish creatures both turn as you come around the corner and you see one of them was eating the anvil in the center of the room. Oh no. As they turn and start to rush for you. I need you all to roll initiative. Damien is unaware of what's going on, so he is waiting to hear back. Auric, both these creatures have turned and started moving towards you. How close am I to the door? And how easy is it to close the door? 15 feet and very hard, because it is a super solid metal door. Okay, I will call back to the party and say, it's not friendly. You better get in here. I will walk into the room a little more to just get out of the entranceway and then cast spiritual weapon. So that is my bonus action. I will put it right behind. So you cast spiritual weapon behind the closer one to you. Yep. And I believe when I summon it, it gets to attack. It does. I rolled a natural 20 for a total of 26. All right, so roll your damage. 11 damage. Try and eat this hammer. You focus your divine energy as these two insectoid creatures are coming towards you. Release as a spectral hammer appears behind the closer one, swings and cracks it across its side and back, and some of its carapace just cracks and splinters in. I will use my action to cast Toll the Dead at the one that just got hit. It fails. So what is the damage? The damage is 14. Auric, you gesture towards it, focus on your divine energy, and you guys kind of hear it, but there is a resounding as this whole thing just shakes and kind of its body scrunches and clenches, and you see it kind of wither in places as Parts of its form starts to actually break and fall away, and it just seems to be struggling to stay up. But that is it. Luvin. Hearing Oryx's call to action, I dash in and move off to the side so that I'm not blocking the entrance for anyone else who wants to come in. I pull out an alchemical fire, and I chuck it in between the two creatures. Where the table is? Where the table is. So dex is from both, correct? Yes. DC is 15. Yeah, don't worry about it. You run into the room, go around the corner and see these two insectoid creatures. As you notice, Orc, off to your right, you spin off to the left and hurl the alchemical fire. Four fire damage. So there's a brief moment you see the table flares up because it also did not dodge your alchemical fire (laughs) and singes and burns away. And the fire catches the further one. You see it just recoil from the flames briefly. And the one that is struggling just gets hit with a burst of flames as it continues to burn and burn and burn and collapses. Yeah. You are both wearing armor that is metal. But mine looks especially tasty. It clambers up and around as it goes for the walking metal that is Auric. And it starts to reach out towards you with its antenna, Auric. I need you to make a dexterity saving throw. 18. It reaches out with its antenna and you pull back and out of the way and it like smacks into the ground and you notice like little bits of metal that's kind of scattered around just rust and decay and start to become destroyed just from the antenna touching it. That is its turn though. Elaine. 
I'm gonna just run up and primal savagery. Make your attack roll. 25. 14 points of acid damage as I run up and rake my claws down its back. So Elaine, as you run into the room, you see this large insectoid creature going for Auric with these antennae. You notice like suddenly there's rusted metal like across the ground and over by the anvil that's like partially crumpled and destroyed and you turn your hand into these pointed long blades and just rake it across its hide, burning away its carapace as you strike. Demean runs into the room and shoots like basically over your shoulder, Luvin. He pulls the bow back and fires and it just like bounces off one of the pillars in the room pulls in a second arrow, fires again, and it sinks into the creature's side. You all notice as the arrow hits, it just, the metal on it dissolves and falls away. Uh-huh. That does bring us back to you, Auric. I will use my bonus action to move my spiritual weapon up, and then it will attack. Does a 20 hit? A 20 does hit. Four damage. So you swing and basically all the weakened points that Elaine had created from the acid get crushed and you broken in the carapace is falling away and its side is like badly exposed but it's still up so i will use my action to cast told the dead told the dell yes yes farmer of the dell wisdom save same thing as last time i rolled another five so it does 15 damage so auric how do you want to do this i just wanted to be me that is the last thing that it sees and know that I will stare it down as it just dies. Elaine, you hear very clearly the that emanates from around the creature as it just grumbles and its skin like sucks in and becomes bone-like as it just shrivels into this little tiny husk and just falls while staring at what it thought might be dinner. The two creatures in the room are dead blasted little gremlins. You see that the anvil is basically half corroded away and gone. Do I see anything metal in the room, like a poker or something like that? Or some kind of metal rod? You'd be able to find something, yeah. I want to use that and try and poke the creatures to see if they retain any of their corrosive ability in death. You go and you poke him and you see the tip of the metal like decay, but not as rapidly as the arrow did. So it seems like it's an effect that does linger, but not for a long period of time. I'll look over at Leuven and say, this may be something you want to analyze before it totally disappears. This does have some useful properties to it. I walk up and inspect these corpses. Are you attempting to extract or are you just figuring out what it is? First going to try and get a sense of what it is. Roll a nature check. 11. Rust monster is these type of subterranean creature that consumes metals. They can sense the presence of metals within a certain distance from them. And what they do is they use their antennae, and just upon touching the metal with their antennae, it begins to rust and decay, making it soft enough for them to eat any type of metal. Specifically non-magical, however. So if there's a magical item, it won't rust and be destroyed. With that little bit of extra knowledge in mind, is there anything extractable that I could use for alchemical purposes? With that roll, it's hard to tell. You might be able to. Like the antenna? You at least know the antenna is how they seem to cause things to rust. So possibly by taking it, you're not sure about the body because you did notice like when the arrow hit the body, it also rusted. So there might be some other 
extra chemical on the body or maybe in the blood possibly that causes it to rust and decay, but the antenna, at least you know, they use that to weaken the food. I'm very carefully preserving this and some vials that I have in order to make sure it is not broken and becoming brittle, and I stow that away for later experimentation. You're removing the antenna? Yes. So you can attempt to do so with a survival check. I would like to provide guidance. Luvin, how are you going about extracting these, by the way? I do have primal savagery. I could whip out some claws and cut at it. Show me where to cut. I'm looking for kind of weak points, maybe, where the antenna has the least amount of cartilage or something of that nature. And So, Elaine, if you're helping with this or whoever wants to do the roll, one of you can roll survival with advantage and guidance. I hesitate for a moment seeing, oh, wait, I can't use my dagger. I'll just kind of try and hold a part of the body that's not covered in acid down. Just instruct me. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I'll roll survival. 21. Yeah, you collect all four, perfectly intact. Elaine comes up and just and slice right where you kind of start to point out. And Luvin, I'm assuming you kind of hold the antenna as it falls and start to put it where? Could you help me um, dice these up, Elaine? Yeah. She can just slice them through with her acid claws. It'll do a little bit of damage to them, but... Okay. So you have, we'll say, the equivalent of like three full antennae. All right. So, you guys are in the smithy. It looks pretty wrecked. Whatever metal was in here has been pretty much rusted over. Poker was one of the few things that you could find in, like, your initial search of everything, but seems like the creatures have been in here for a while. It might have been that they've been making several trips here, snacking throughout the time. You do notice, like, there actually are some spots towards the back of the room that looks like they collapsed the wall and burrowed in. So there is, looks like a tunnel that proceeds out that wasn't there before. Like a small tunnel? You guys could fit through it. It'd be a little bit of a squeeze, but you guys did just go for like an hour in a squeeze tunnel. Dwarves are not bothered by underground. No. Yeah, but where there's two, we, there might be more of them. So do we want to collapse it in to hopefully keep the rest of them from surprising us on our way back out? Demean will pipe in. Usually there aren't going to be too many. So if we do collapse them, there might be a couple left out there, but they intend to hunt in very, very small packs, if not by themselves completely. They don't like sharing food. So there's nothing useful really here, then? Not that you can see. Hey, Leuven, do you want to shine your lantern around real quick, just to make sure? Not a bad idea. I do so, and I, I walk around kind of the perimeter of the room to make sure I'm getting the full sweep. Okay. Looking around, nothing becomes visible. We're clear. I think we can go. All right. Sorry there wasn't more useful stuff here, Oric. I had hoped. At least it's something we know to look out for. Blasted rust monsters. All right, I guess we'll go back to the main path and then take the straight one. As a general thing, just as a reminder, you recall they can only eat non-magical metal. And there were inscriptions of magic on several of the items here that have been consumed. Luvin, you recall that there was magic in this room. It seems like it might be faded if they were able to consume the anvil. You're noticing also this on your pass around the room. The magic seems to be gone from this room. Otherwise, they wouldn't have been able to consume as much as they did. We might want to hurry up then. It's possible it's related to when we removed the orb. Yeah, and I'm afraid of what might happen now in the vault. That's a good point. Uh, Let's go then. So you guys head back down the path, head towards the straight path away from the main doorway, and arrive heading towards the throne room. 
as you are walking up, you notice several unlit braziers that surround each of these six marble columns holding up a vaulted ceiling where thousands of empty round slots were where gems must have been at some point. There's cracked and faded memorials kind of all along the marble floor of this hall, and the wide marble stairs as you start to go up goes towards the imposing throne of marble that sits between two large braziers. When you were last here, you recall, the braziers were lit. They no longer are. You continue to walk up and your footsteps echo off of this massive empty hall as you go up the stairs and just approach the throne. You recall on the ground in front of the throne was that loose stone, still been removed with the hole there and to your left. Instead of the plain wall that you had initially seen before or the glass that showed the treasures and gold and coin that existed just beyond it that turned out to be a magical teleportation ward is the wall with a sheet of opaque glass. Didn't we have something that we stuck in the hole last time? Yep, you had a mithril key. And then did it disappear? Yeah. Without the magic of the smithy area, it would be impossible to get that key again. I go up to the wall and put a hand on it. On the glass? Yeah. Luvin goes up and touches the glass. Nothing happens. As you touch it, though, like it shifts slightly in its frame. Hey, I think we can move this. A little oh, help here, wait, please. Wait, wait, before you start moving things around, let's just make sure that that's what we want to do. Well, do you see another way forward? Well, last time those were lit, so I'm going to walk up with my torch and just hold it over them and be like, do you want me to relight them and see if that does anything? Can't hurt at this point. Worth a try. It can't hurt. Hmm, famous last words. I'm going to light both of them. On either side of the throne, you go and you light the first brazier. And as you're crossing around in front of the throne to go to the second one, Elaine, before you do, you hear, I'm going to pause a second before I light the second one and look at the others and go, did you guys hear that? Uh-uh. No. Demean? I didn't hear anything from here. I could. And he starts to kind of get closer to you, listens in. Sounds like voices coming from the throne almost. He's not touching the throne. He's being super cautious because you told him be super cautious, but he's like leaning in to listen to it. Auric, why don't you stand next to the throne? I'm going to light the other one. All right, I'll walk up to the throne and see if I hear anything. Before I light it, though, I'll let him take a listen. Go ahead and roll a perception check. 22. Auric, you kind of lean in. I'm assuming you're not touching the throne. No. You just hear... Doesn't sound very nice. Does it sound like it's coming from the throne, below the throne, or can I glean any kind of information? Based off your 22 perception, it sounds like it's coming almost from inside the throne. Okay. Does it sound familiar at all? No. Do you want me to light it? I suppose you could, but be ready for a fight. I walk over and stuff the torch in it. Light it. Okay. So you light it up as you do. Emerging from the stone, you see wisps of black smoke start to rise, almost humanoid figure with the smoky tendrils that just dissipate off the edges of its form as it rises up and the whispers all of you can hear. I need you all to roll initiative. And that is where we're going to leave this episode for today. Thank you guys for listening. Please share this with your friends and follow us on Twitter at Rules is Written. Or check out our website, dndraw.com. And feel free to email Tony any questions about the game at dm at dndraw.com. 
Also, subscribe and leave us a review or comment anywhere podcasts are found. And please check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash dndraw. See you guys next week.